You're listening to Felony Podcast with your host, Dave Dahl, on the Startup Radio Network. The Felony Podcast explores ex-felons that have gone on to launch their own startups. We explore the ups, the downs, the behind-the-bar stories with these founders. Felony Podcast airs every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. My name is Mark Grimes, co-founder of Startup Radio Network. Also with us in the studio, Dave's partner in crime, Lad Justison. And here's a man with a plan, leader of the band, buff and tanned, Dave, the killer bread man, doll. Yeah, thanks, Bob. Thanks, Mark. Welcome to the Felony Inc. podcast, live from the birthplace of my killer bread, Portland, Oregon. But it's not about me, is it, lad? Always. This show is all about personal transformation, hope, and empowering one's own unique purpose. Uh, Most of our guests have been convicted of felonies, but something happened. No doubt they did some time, and during that time, they embarked on an exciting new journey of accountability, creativity, courage, and the willingness to work their asses off for good. My guests inspire me. They aren't derailed by difficult times. Instead, they charge forward better and stronger for the adversity. This is the entrepreneurial spirit. This is how humans succeed. Positive change isn't easy. Transformation is a motherfucker. Our guest today, Catherine Cat Hoke, unlike most of our guests, has never been convicted of a felony, but she's been to prison countless times. We will get to her in a minute. First of all, what's up? Once again, my co-host is everybody's favorite Gilligan, Lad Justison. I wasn't able to uh, be there this way for you, buddy. Uh, did everything turn out okay? Everything is great. I know you're busy, so you know I'll I'll accept those ramifications. Did uh, did somebody protect you in my absence? Well, yeah, my girlfriend. I got a new girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, that's what you need. Well, I can't call her my girlfriend yet because she has a limit on what I can say and do. So I'm just kidding. Is she listening right now? I hope so. Okay, I'm sorry. For her. <laughs> um, okay, well, that's all we got. Is that all you got to say for yourself this week? Not really. Been working my ass off for you, like I always do. Always oh, all for me. And because of your your heavy lifting you had me do the other day, I hurt oh, my yeah. wrist. Okay, time to whine. Time to it whine. It is. I hurt my wrist, so I can't do that thing where you know shows how. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. You can't can. slam dunk. Yeah. No, that's it. Okay. Well, anyway, let's go. Let's go forward. Cat Hoke is the founder of Prison Entrepreneur Project in in the Texas State System, and that's a while back. And we talked to them actually. Uh, do you remember talking to that guy? Yes, I do. Uh, on an earlier podcast. After that, she founded Defy Ventures, and Defy is all about ending mass incarceration and cycles of recidivism by using entrepreneurship as a tool to transform legacies and human potential. And more recently, she wrote a book entitled A Second Chance for You, for Me, and for the Rest of Us. All of us, huh? Currently, she's preparing to let the world know about a new Second Chances endeavor. And I'll let her tell us about that. Welcome to the Felony Inc. podcast, Cat Hoke. How you doing? 
Thank you, Dave Dahl. I'm really happy to be with you. Yeah, now we've we've talked before. Um, once uh, we talked maybe three years ago, and boy, I was I was at a different point in my life at that point, and uh, in some ways, I regretted later that I didn't go further with uh, the things that you were doing, get more involved. But I wasn't I wasn't ready at that time. And it's okay, Dave. I'm all about second chances. Uh, <laughs> he needs uh-huh. more than two. I, boy, he lad, needs more than two. Lad's never going to. It doesn't matter how many chances Lad gets. He's still a knucklehead. I always go back to the same old behavior. But as long as I'm here to protect you and take care of you, you'll be all right. Yeah. Uh, that's full, I'm that's just full actually shit. been my downfall right there. Yeah, yeah right. I am, I am a little full of shit there. Uh, I believe in enabling people to be their best, but not uh, not not crippling them, you know? Uh, anyway, let's talk about Kat. Kat, where, where do you want to start with your story? You're really uh, well, I just wanted to start by saying that I'm really excited because, Dave, when you told me that there are people who are currently incarcerated who are listening to the show right now, that inspires me. So, hey, guys and ladies who are incarcerated and to anyone who's formerly incarcerated, also, it, I, I feel excited and honored to um, to get to share some of my story and this work with you. And I hope that it's inspiring to you. And um, yeah, I've never I've never done time, but I've probably been in prisons for more days than some of you. And um, Tell us although about I don't have a bit. criminal rap sheet, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I I have a I have a sort of rap sheet of things that I have done, mistakes you, that I've made, bad decisions, and I have a rap the, sheet of things that of I haven't up. done as well. Queen of screwing up. Yeah, I'm that. basically yeah. I'm a I'm a fellow screw you know up. What? Hello. I was thinking the thing that you mostly have in common with me is that we've done good things uh, in the public that people know about, and we've also done really screwed up things that people know about. Tell me one human who doesn't share that narrative. Uh, maybe know? not I as public as I think every human us. has done some good things and some screwed up things. Uh, yeah, Lad has mostly screwed up things, but... That's true. <laughs> um, yeah, but you know, we... That's totally the truth, and you know, humility is a, is a valuable thing. And you know, some of our, some of those people who are so quick to judge, need a little bit of that. They, you know, maybe they need a little adversity in their lives so they can they can relate. Maybe that's what's coming to them someday. Um, anyway, we all get we all we all have the insight that we have, and that you know, we all have our own uh, journeys that we're on. And your journey has led you from um, doing the the Texas thing, the entrepreneurship program, PEP, uh, which I think is really cool, uh, even though you're not involved in that anymore. The Defy thing. Thanks. Yeah, I'm, I'm really proud that it's still going 14 years later. And it's, I don't know if you know that prison entrepreneurship program in Texas is run nearly all by formerly incarcerated people. In fact, the CEO of that organization was a graduate from my day, and he, he did more than 20 years of time. His name is right. Brian Kelly. And but we awesome. talked to him, yes. He good. was great. Yeah. yeah, he was a really good yeah. guest. Yeah, yeah and, so I'm really proud of what those guys are continuing to, to create. 
And uh, Defy had a really great record of uh, dealing with recidivism. I've seen, I've seen, uh, you know, some criticism of that. People saying that Defy, um, you know, cooked the books in the sense of saying, and, and, and I'm, I'm getting to something here. They, they said that um, oh, it was they're only talking about people who graduated. Well, you know, honestly, it's the people who graduated that you expect to succeed. Yeah, if they don't graduate, there must be something they're not doing right. Um, so that that was my take on that particular issue. Uh, yeah, I think say? that any time that, that you're tackling uh, a big challenge and disrupting it and, um, and achieving success, then you're going to have some haters. So when I was at Defy, we had no shortage of haters who wanted to criticize or take down the work, but the reality is that we graduated more than 4,000 people in prison. And even after a whole bunch of very interesting allegations, Defy went through a really thorough investigation and the recidivism rate was validated at less than 5% for the released people. So it's pretty phenomenal because um, at Defy, we worked with probably 90% of the people that we served had committed violent crime, um, and we had a 100% acceptance rate. So anybody who wants into the program can get in at the prisons where Defy serves. And uh, we worked at a lot of institutions. I still work at, I'm running my new program now also at Pelican Bay State Prison. You know, people there are called the worst of the worst, but every single day I see, um, I see people who society would write off as being irredeemable, they are redeemable. That's they are forgivable. Plot. And I see them I, I see them get out of prison even after doing ten or twenty years on some some really tough charges and then get out there and make it and apply their hustling skills for good. So we've taught entrepreneurship. All the programs that I've started, including this third one now called Hustle two point yeah. um, they all like use the love of entrepreneurship yeah. and uh, we all know that people who, many people, not everyone who's incarcerated, right. are natural-born hustlers, and many people in prison are still hustling, but illegally. So what would happen if they were equipped to, to uh, hustle legally? And that's what I've been doing. And for 14 years, I have been watching underdogs and other people who would say, you know, society would say that they would never make it. I see them make it every single day, defying the odds. I love it. Me too. You know, I see it all the time. Um, we have our guests on our show all the time that, that are doing it. And, of course, you know, I've uh, with Dave's Killer Bread, we, we didn't have uh, necessarily entrepreneurs, but we had people that were transforming their lives in one way or another and making a big difference in the community by, by just being better people. Um, Lad, for instance, Lad, Lad did 20 years in prison. He was a, uh, he was a lifer who had... A choice. They, he could have stayed, spent the rest of his life in there, but he had. Uh, is that right? Yeah, you, I, you know, you got, I got to go see the parole board, and you know, in order to, to get out. But if he wasn't a good boy. That's right. But he did twenty years. Fortunately, I changed my life around, and that's you know, my life was changing around, Dave, when I met you at Snake River. Right. And uh, because of that change, uh, the first time I went to see the parole board, uh, they said okay. Yeah, Lad was a Lad was a, a um, go-getter in prison. As far as you know, he was not gonna get out and screw up again. We knew this. Uh, anyway, um, there's a lot of I know a lot of examples like that. You know, but we always get the you know there are people. There's an argument that there are people that aren't 
transformable, that cannot change, that are irredeemable. Um, you know, I, I tend to believe that that's true on a certain level, but it, it's really, I think I've heard you talk in the past say saying that, um, yeah, you, if they can be honest with themselves, if they can admit their, you know, face the, the, the reality of their past and that it's their fault and they need to atone for it and so forth, then they can do it, right? That's right. I mean, if we don't, if we're not honest with ourselves first, if we're lying to ourselves about our past, if we don't take ownership, if we don't take full responsibility, then there's not going to be transformation. And so... We won't, we won't experience redemption, and we frequently will not get second chances as well. I'm friends with people who are on uh, the parole board, like commissioners who make decisions, and one of the things that they look for is, are you taking ownership of your past? Because if all you do is make excuses, say, I was at the wrong place at the wrong time, that kind of stuff, um, then you're more likely to just go back and do it all over again. But if you can say, look, I really screwed up. I made really bad decisions. It was... 10 years ago or 20 years ago and I'm a different person now here's how I've changed and transformed here's how I've taken ownership and what I did back then it was a bad decision I really hurt a lot of people or whatever it is if you're able to do that then I believe that there's nothing that is beyond redemption there's nothing that can't be transformed I have seen people with with rap sheets that make my stomach turn I mean the things that they have done are really ugly, but that's not who they are today. So I tell them, like, I don't see you for your past. I see you for who you are today, and I see you for the amazing future that you can have. And there's so much hope from that. I believe, and a lot of what I write in my book, A Second Chance, is that shame keeps us down. And when we feel ashamed of ourselves, then we'll lie to ourselves and we'll say, like we'll say things to ourselves like if people knew the real me if I even knew the real me I couldn't accept me so we we try to sell ourselves a ball of crap it doesn't work very well and shame thrives in secrecy so if you're not being real you're not going to get that healing and the only way to get to the other side of shame in my opinion and experience is through forgiveness and forgiveness of ourselves and forgiveness of others Yes. But we can't get to forgiveness if we don't take ownership first. That is the exact, um, the, you know, that's a universal principle, universal truth. I personally experienced that. I, I think uh, growing up as a youngster, um, I was very much ashamed. I was ashamed of a lot of things. And I won't get into all that today, but uh, I, I did, I was I suffered in private, or and nobody knew about this stuff. Uh, but I eventually discovered methamphetamine, which shoot, my first transformation, right? It got me right into a whole new life, which was all about, you know, getting high and committing crimes because I needed some, you know, I had to have some way to pay for my uh, addiction. But, um, I mean, it was the first time I ever felt good in my life. You know what I mean? So, um that was the the eventual, you know, many years later being in prison and eventually just surrendering and crying for help, or not crying for help, but asking for help, um, which was, you know, counterintuitive for being in, in prison. Nobody wants to admit they have a weakness or whatever. 
Um, it was the best thing I ever did. And it was being honest with myself, being humble, and I found courage. And I moved forward. So I know yeah. you you know what I'm talking about. I do know what you're talking about. I'm a big fan of Brene Brown. And uh, I'm going to misquote her right now probably. But she says she has a quote that says, we can either like take ownership and be real with ourselves or we can spend the rest of our lives hustling for our worthiness mm. because when we don't when we don't get real and don't get honest and then we have that voice of shame that says i'm not good enough then we'll lie to ourselves and then we'll cover that with another lie and then we become an avalanche of lies and we don't have respect for ourselves so then yeah escaping through meth or escaping through violence or escaping through any other form of addiction um it becomes a natural way to cope with that pain and I think people do that and it it's a self-defeating cycle because to to look inside and to say I screwed up I ruined everything I hurt my family I've hurt communities or whatever it is that takes a lot of courage and people are scared to do that but I think that doing that and getting real and honest and taking a deep look inside and taking responsibility that's the only way to get to the other side of it otherwise we spend our entire lives running and escaping and piling on dog piling on to the misery and creating worse circumstances for and, and creating layers to the uh, proverbial onion right i mean it just it just gets yeah. worse and worse and harder to get down to the reality to the truth uh i personally um have you know, have to remind myself of this quite often, and that's one thing that's so great about doing this show, is I get to hear these this, these principles over and over again. I hear them in every successful person that I talk to, um, who's who's experienced adversity. There's different kinds of success, but in my view, success is, you know, is is overcoming and. Um, and, and learning to enjoy the journey. Now, we do have to take a break real quick. Go ahead, Len. That's okay. right. CPA Dudes, where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. You can find them at cpadudes.com slash startup radio. Tell them Dave and Lad sent you. And we'll send you a special surprise. Seriously, we will. Yeah, and we met those two guys. They're quite the couple, aren't they? They are cool dudes, One of them's like uh, six five, three hundred. The other one's like uh, four five, three hundred. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, they're, they're great guys. Um, so back to Cat. Cat, where were we? You remember? Uh, well, we were talking about shame and self-defeating behavior, escaping. You know, Cat, you know, I, I have what it leads to, and and. I was going to say one of the things that that I tell the people that I get to work with who are incarcerated all the time is the prison the prison system can only incarcerate your physical body. Damn only right. we can choose to incarcerate our minds and our hearts. And that voice of shame where you tell yourself, I'm not good enough, I'm a failure, I knew I couldn't do it, all of that, you wouldn't let anybody else talk to you that way, so why do we talk to ourselves that way? And what would happen if we told our brain where to take that voice, you know? And and if we actually were able to say and then sincerely feel over time, just say, I accept myself for who I am, I'm 
I've done some messed up things, but I'm still acceptable. I'm lovable. Then we could we could start moving forward. But when we keep drowning in, in the avalanche of lies and shame, then we're going to continue doing stupid things. And recidivism is going to happen. Like, because... If you're if you're self-defeating, if you don't really like yourself, you're going to keep shooting yourself in the foot over and over again. Yeah, and while you're um, you know while you're in that frame of mind, which is a, just a really difficult thing to get out of, you don't you, what you're saying doesn't even register. You know, um, it takes it takes being in the right place at the you know you get to that place probably once in your life, and when you're when that happens. Maybe not once in your life because, you, you know, you, you're going to fall and get up a lot of times. But you get to the point where you you realize and you have an epiphany that, that changes your life from that point on. Um, I, that's a common that's a common element of the stories that I of people that I talk to, and from that point on, you may fall again like I have, but you get back up and you know how to do it. Eventually, you 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 kind of you get there because whether you go through a depression period like I have, uh, and a, and a comeback period, um, you know you get back there and you, maybe you're better for it in some ways because honestly, if you fall, there's a lesson there. There's a reason. Mm-hmm. Or as I say, it's not if you fall; it's when you fall. Yeah, we all absolutely. Fall. Yeah, we're all gonna fall for the rest of our lives, and then we can like cover it up and pretend that we didn't, or we can take ownership and learn the lessons like you're talking about from it, you know? And forgiveness is really a key. If I had one last message on the face of the earth, it would be all about forgiveness. And I write about it in my book, um, because when when we don't forgive ourselves or somebody else who has betrayed or hurt us, we are shackling ourselves to our past. And I bet anyone who is listening to, to this podcast right now, you're listening because you want a better future for yourself, for your family. So if you want that, then why would you not choose to forgive? And something that I talk about and try to pound into the brains of the people that I work with is forgiveness is not a feeling. It's not something that we can usually earn. It's a choice. It's a decision. And it sounds like this. I forgive me. I forgive him. And when we say that, we usually don't really believe it at first. And we're like, yeah, whatever. And um, if I say I forgive myself, then the the little devil in my brain will say, no, you don't. Um, And then I have to get stubborn about forgiveness and put myself in a community of forgiveness of other people who also affirm that for me. And over time it might sink in if I continually choose to forgive myself. And if I forgive myself, that's when I have, that's when I'm giving myself the freedom to live a better future. So I won't be beating myself up every day over my past. I cannot change the past. You are not your past. In the most basic, in the most basic uh, way of saying that, negativity at all. It, you know, if that happens to be unforgiveness, resentment, uh, anger, you know, that it just continues and goes on. That yeah. is a negative. Any of those negative things, that means less positive things are in your mind and you're getting less continuity with where you're trying to be. Am I wrong? Exactly. And 
in prison, I um, I run a forgiveness drill, is what I call it. And I have people close their eyes and I say, think back. And so if you're listening to the podcast right now, do this too. Think back to the least forgivable thing that you have ever done or that someone else has ever done to you. Like put yourself back in that moment. Relive that in your mind. And as you think about that, what are the feelings that you experience. I never hear anything positive. It's always like the things that you just said, Dave. It's like anger, resentment, vengeance, anxiety. And we're carrying those with us. Yeah, and I, I, so I tell people like, imagine those feelings. It's like a 10 pound bowling ball that's stuck in your chest and you're walking around with it. So then for people who are locked up, yeah, then the next guy who cuts in line in prison and disrespects you, like you're going to want to go beat him up or stab him. That's not normal behavior. That's because you're walking around with this ticking time bomb of angry feelings because you haven't forgiven yourself or you haven't forgiven somebody else. And so you can actually get rid of that. I have gone through so many difficult things in my life, including recently, and I... I brainwash myself with choosing forgiveness because I don't want to live as an angry person. I want to live as a loving and giving person, and that's a choice. That's so a great term. A lot for of it. times when we're what? That's a great term. Uh, you're brainwashing yourself. You're doing it though. You're not being brainwashed. You're making choices to brain to wash your brain and make it make it more effective and more and and more powerful. Well, one of the things that I teach, and I learned this from an amazing therapist who helped me out through one of the darker periods of my life. His name is Henry Cloud. He says, we actually cannot, we frequently cannot wash the dirty brain, the dirty water in our own brains. So our brains are filled with dirty water that comes from negative experiences or values or messages that, like if your mom told you I knew you'd end up being just like your dad and getting locked up or whatever it is like these I call them self-limiting beliefs our brains are full of this dirty water and a lot of times because we're so used to our own brain and we can't be outside of our own brain we don't even recognize how dirty the water is and so a lot of times it helps when somebody else comes and does a cleansing for us like washes the dirty water in our brains and I surround myself by other people all the time who speak truth to me and can tell me when they're hearing some of these lies, these self-limiting beliefs come out of my mouth and they correct me and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I still think that about myself. I thought that I was over that. We and all so, keep doing that, don't we? Yeah, That's we all keep doing that over and over again. But to the extent that we invite people into our lives and people could be like if you're in prison right now. It could be other positive influences around you, but it could also be authors who are writing books, and you can get brainwashed, and I use that word in a positive way, by yeah. the messages, or by by this podcast, maybe. It, it, it takes a lot to correct negative thinking that we've had about ourselves, sometimes for decades. It can take a lot of work. And then, like, I, I teach a course on i call it love bombs or affirmations where we tell ourselves positive things like i am courageous i am forgiven i am worthy of the love i am receiving and if you wake up every morning and you say that to yourself over and over again it might like feel kind of cheese ball but this stuff can actually work if you're committed to it meditating on truth about yourself 
can work. You know, Kat, um, I do have a question about that. It kind of leads into my question I've been thinking about, and that is, you know, when when you have those feelings inside of you and, um, you know, you think that nobody else thinks that way because it's just in your head. But I love, I listened to a podcast that you were on, and I love this one part of your program where it's called Step to the Line. Mm. And Step to the Line was so cool to me because when you step up to the line, you see all these other guys that have these same thoughts and these same things that are in their head, and for the first time they realize they're not alone. Okay, Kat, this is your opportunity to tell us about Step to the Line. All right. So... uh, over the last 14 years, the two programs that, that I started have brought more than 7,000 volunteers into prisons around the country. And um, a lot of these people are like fancy CEOs and investors and entrepreneurs and business professionals. So I, I put a line of duct tape down the, the gym, and a lot of times we'll have 100 incarcerated people in, in there and up to 100 volunteers. And everyone, when they come in there, it's like a junior high dance where the boys are scared of the girls and the girls are scared of the boys. We do a lot of things to break the ice because a lot of times incarcerated people feel like these uh, fancy credentialed people are better than them. And I tell them all the time, they're not better than you. They, They have more credentials than you probably do. But watch, they're going to learn from you. So I do a lot of things to level the playing field. And one of them is step to the line. So there's a line of duct tape down the gym the volunteers are on one side of the line and the i say guys in prison because that's 95 percent of what i've worked with but i worked with women as well um and they're on the other side and then i call out like a whole series of statements and if the statement is true you step to the line if it's not you step back five feet and through that exercise we see what we have in common and what we don't so when i ask certain questions like Um, I heard gunshots in my neighborhood growing up. Typically, like, 90% of the guys in prison are at the line, and typically almost none of the volunteers are at the line. But then when I ask questions like, I feel ashamed of my past, nearly everybody's at the line, including these volunteers. And some of these volunteers run billion-dollar companies with a B, and I'm not exaggerating right now. And they they still feel ashamed of who they are or they're... They're living in hiding, and a lot of these people also have not forgiven themselves, or they feel inadequate. And what happens is when we do this exercise, we bond in our humanity. Um, we see that we all screw up. We're all fellow screw-ups all the time. I would venture to say... And we also say... see the power of forgiveness and of love and humility and of redemption. I would I would guess that uh, you know from listening to that that I'm I'm actually a little bit uh, coming something the lights going on in my head here. Why do these folks come in here these million these these billionaires and so forth? Why would why are they motivated to come in here? Now you're you're kind of getting somewhere there. That we all have some mm-hmm. common elements like this shame apparently that we feel that we have felt and uh, so we can ex- we. On a certain, you know, dinosaur level, you know, that's kind of ridiculous. But um, at some level, we are—we all feel the same. We all have our have the same issues. Yeah, and you know, we all want to live with meaning and purpose. 
And when people are hopeless, and a lot of people in prison live on very little hope, and it's amazing that they're, they keep going even though they, they have such little hope. I, in my book, I um, talk about the concept of a generous hustle, which I define as making a difference, like making a positive contribution to society. And in prison, I have curriculum for building out a generous hustle. And I tell the guys that even if you're facing life in prison, you can still live every single day with dignity and purpose and choose to make a positive difference. You can be I ran free a in your mind. competition. Hmm? You, you can have mental freedom, spiritual freedom. You can have mental freedom, and it, but it's more than just a state of mind. It's actually your actions need to reflect it. So of course, I, yeah. at Pelican Bay, I run a program in the shoe there in solitary confinement. And that's where I first introduced this idea of having a kindness competition. I now call it an impact challenge. The guys get points for acts of kindness and positive impact that they have for one another. Like if they wake up in the morning and they say to the guy that they can't even see, but the guy who houses next to him, if he says like, good morning, how is, how's your day going? That's not normally something that many of them do. And now they've started doing it. And then when the officer, there's so much tension, right, between people in prison and officers usually. No way. And I encourage them. I say, if you don't like your environment, then change it. You're not a tree. You have the ability to make a difference. And so when the officer comes by and slides you your tray, like, thank him. Thank him by name. Look at his name tag and say, Thank you, Officer Blank. How's your day going? And at first they all like laugh at me and think I'm being ridiculous, but then they try it. Some of my guys on the shoe, I'm so proud of them. They racked up, one of them racked up 9,000 points in this little competition. And then they talk about how when they intentionally have positive impact every day and, and focus on that, what it does for their lives. So if you're living with very little hope, Try it out. Try making somebody else's day, and it doesn't take much. It can be just smiling or acknowledging someone or making them feel human. Because I think a lot of times correctional officers feel dehumanized as well. Sure. So try talking to somebody of a different race. Try something that is different, going above and beyond, and see what that does for you. And back to your question about why like these CEOs and billionaires come to prison with me, hmm. a lot of them, although they've had all types of financial success in their lives, Many of them have not generated a kind of impact that they would like to with their lives. I ask these guys every day, if you died today, why would your life matter? And I see that some of them are satisfied with their answers. And those who are satisfied are usually the ones who take their time, their energy, their wealth, their resources to make a positive difference in the lives of others. They but people back. who are just chasing after their own next deal, their faster car, the, a younger wife, the new country club, whatever, that life is usually a life of emptiness and unhappiness and unfulfillment. So I challenge them too. I'm like, you want to make a difference and come, come hang with my guys in prison who are awesome. You will learn and you will be inspired by their hustle, by their hearts, by their positive contributions that they're making. And they come to prison where we run like Shark Tank style pitch competitions and, and there's mentoring. But every single time that I bring these very accomplished volunteers to prison, they get inspired and they learn from the authenticity and the beauty of the hearts of the people that 
are in prison. Yes, I learned. I learned myself the giving back is is its own reward. You don't do it for some reason like you're going to get something in return, but you do. Um, right. It's just so natural, and so it. It. You know, I remember so much of my life. I. I. I was like, well, give back. What the fuck is that? You know. Um, why would I do that? You know, I don't even have anything. You know, that's the whole thing. I eventually. When I had something to give back, I had a story, I had I had an experience that I thought people needed to know about. I gave that back, and um, I'll tell you what, it came back to me, it came back to me in way more ways than I ever dreamed. Um, and yeah. a lot of it is just intellectual, spiritual, it's like, it's the, it's the things that you learn by doing it, and the way that you grow by doing it. Um, it's so yeah, wonderful. Yeah, absolutely, and I imagine that's a lot of why you do this. It is. Podcast. Well, I certainly Dave, don't. And that's it's not why about money. I said yes to be on this. But yeah. Um, I, I am on here right now because I hope that somebody who's listening is going to internalize some of this and start believing in themselves and seeing that they can do it. And maybe someone who's listening is going to choose to have their own uh, kindness competition and see what they can do today. I love that. I really do. I I haven't heard that part. I think maybe I did, but I I forgot. But uh, the kindness competition is fantastic, especially in prison. It's like counterintuitive. It's counter the way you think. In prison, you know, you're going to be tough. You got to be. You got to show strength and all this stuff. Well, strength can be and should be what you're talking about. You know, what it takes more yeah. strength to, to actually have the courage to step up and say, you know, fuck you. I'm going to be nice. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. so, that's exactly that's exactly right. But you know what? I, I like what you said, Dave, about not expecting anything in return. So when I run these kindness competitions in maximum security prisons where uh, the, the guys are, have never been on friendly terms with the, with the cops. And what I hear from them regularly is that they said that, like, at first when they tried out, like, saying hello to someone that they've never said hello to in years, that sometimes the officer, like, gave them a funny look and didn't even acknowledge them or whatever. But that then, like, they kept going. They didn't let that stopped them because when we are when we choose to be kind or have positive impact it won't be reciprocated every time no. it often won't get reciprocated we might even get ridiculed for it but then what they found is as as they kept going that a lot of officers did in fact reciprocate i have guys at pelican bay who said that they are air hugging each other across the fence mm-hmm. they can't touch each other across on different yards but they send air hugs like bear hugs but air hugs you across know, the fence that's, even to people of different races which doesn't really happen I love normally that. At I love that. it's so inspiring to me and i find that these guys have a lot of courage and people who are listening are probably like laughing and going yeah right I triple dog dare you to try it. Yeah, you know, you know see what, what guys, it does for you. Triple it, dog. <laughs> yeah, those guys that are that that are listening and are in this situation. I think a lot of those. I think it's it's kind of an idea that's it's got a swell going to it. You know, we that we're that we're going to be better people. You know, and um, that's a step toward that. 
a really big, a really good step toward it. And you watch, I, I dare people to experiment with that. I think it's going to be cool. I do need yeah, to. Yeah, if you hate prison, then change your own environment. Turn it into something that you would rather be a part of instead of just complaining about it. Because when we complain about it, we are complicit with making it a crappy environment. Hey, Kat, I need to. to the crap that we hate. As much as I hate to do it, I need to interrupt uh, for one right. more of these no dilly bobs. Dilly bob, that's a good word. Uh, today's episode on Felony Inc. podcast is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. Publicize handles all communications with the media and any content required to do this. That is like press releases, editorial pitches, etc. And they offer a wide range of PR products and abilities out of which you can construct the PR package right for the future of your business. And also, listen, you, know, you tell them tell them about this one. Well, also, and you know, I can't say these bad words that you put in here, Dave, but <laughs> listeners, please leave Felony Inc. Podcast a review on iTunes. We might even read it on the air. So instead of saying motherfuck, motherfuckers, when you see that, just say folks. Folks. Okay. I'll do that. And we're going to be nice. We're going to be nice for the rest of the podcast because there's no no bad stuff left in the script. That's right. All right. So let's get back to Kat. We only have a few minutes. Let's. Uh, wh- where can we go that you really want to get to before we're done? Boy, um, I don't know. What do you want to know? Well, there's Dave? lots. There, I, there's lots. Know. And I, well, the listeners, you know, um, well, I could get into a lot of things. I know the things that I care about in a way that that you know that maybe almost be political, and I, um, I, but I'm not so and so not a political person. Um, but I, I just have opinions. It's like, uh, you know, basically, you and I both have had our had our ups and downs, and I think that when we when we have these things. I thought, you know, I look back to my time when I with Dave's Killer Bread and it was like it was like a dream. It was a, it was unreal. Uh, I was just working so hard and being rewarded for that work like you would not believe. Not financially for a long time, but just knowing that I was doing something good, I had great purpose and um, you know, I was so busy doing the right thing. I didn't have time to do anything wrong. And uh, then when when it finally happened, uh, you know, I got, um, I started drinking and, you know, partying. I was successful, you know, there I I go, start tricking my mind uh, using that dirty water. And um, in fact, you know, Alan looks like he showered in dirty water this morning. What's up, Alan? You know, I, I am, I'm really into recycling, so that's my thing. Oh, cool. All right. So nice. not, not to be distracted, but uh, I eventually um, got sucked into my own stupid shit and started drinking too much. And um, it was, well, it had a lot of negative consequences. Eventually, I realized that I learned uh, a ton from that. Um, and, you know, I had to learn it, obviously, or it wouldn't have happened. Right, Vlad? That's right. So, so Kat, can you, let's talk about your own experience to the level that you would like to. I know that you, I've heard you talk about it before and the things that you went through, uh, say, with the Texas situation. 
Would you want mm-hmm. to talk about that at all? Because I think that's very sure, interesting. Sure, you want all the fun stuff, yeah. Whatever you um, want to talk about. Sure, sure. Okay, here's here's a brief, brief, uh, sort of brief nutshell of it. Um, so I, I, I was at UC Berkeley. I started working in finance. Um, I never thought I would do this work because when I was 12, a good friend of mine was brutally murdered. So I used to think that anyone in prison was like the scum of the earth and they could rot and die in that place. I was about as like tough on crime and all that. And uh, when I was 26, I got invited to prison for the first time. I said, no thanks to the friend who invited me. I was living in New York City, working a, a great job and I got invited to Texas prison. She was convincing. She said, haven't you had grace and second chances plenty of times in your life? And I said, yes. So I went, I thought I was going on like some type of zoo tour. Um, when I went to, when I showed up in prison, I was so deeply convicted over the ugliness and the hypocrisy in my own heart that it, it opened my eyes because the people that I met in prison were not caged animals like the media portrays. They were human beings. And for me to write people off like that, I couldn't believe it. And then from that day forward for the next 14 years now, I've spent every day of my life trying to open the eyes of other people and show the humanity and the worth and the beauty of and the potential, not and not even just the potential, the proven abilities of people who are incarcerated. And on that first trip to the Texas prison when I was 26, I mean, I'm, I'm a white girl who grew up in a in, in a family that was well off. And so I didn't know anything about the drug world or about gangs, but I, in speaking with guys about their criminal activities, I could immediately recognize that so many incarcerated people who were drug dealers and gang leaders share a lot in common with successful entrepreneurs and CEOs that I worked with. And that's except when I was the, like, except for the, done? except for the risk management, uh, uh, uh yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Most well, all you all y'all who got that. busted um, could have improved on your risk management strategies because you got busted exactly. Mm-hmm. But um, it, a lot of people who have successfully sold drugs, and when I say successfully, I mean like for good profit margins. I'm not I'm not condoning that behavior by any means. But um, if if you've been involved in some sort of criminal activity and running it and organized activity, you have some business skills that can absolutely be applied to a legal hustle. And that's what I teach. So anyway, I, um, I jumped ship from my New York job, moved to Texas, ran prison entrepreneurship program for five years. I was blonde at the time. I was as naive as me for a lot of that time. And, um, five years into running it. Um, so I was living in a very Christian community and I was married and um, I, one thing I said I'd never be was a divorced woman. And nine years into my marriage, I was served with divorce papers. And in this Christian community where people say things like God hates divorce and divorce is sin, I just, I was so ashamed to be divorced. And so instead of reaching out for help, I, uh, I felt ashamed and I, I went it alone, largely alone. And the, the people that I did feel comfortable confiding my situation in were people who had gotten out of the prison system in Texas. They were graduates of the program. They got out and then they helped me out. And I was, I was in a really bad place. And, um, and then in a moment of weakness, I crossed boundaries and I had relationships with people who had gotten out of prison. And I knew better. I knew that if the Texas prison system ever heard of it, that they would not be okay with that. What I did was not illegal, but it was a self-sabotaging move. And um, sure enough, Texas 
prison system heard about it. They asked if it was true. I said, yes, it is. I owned it. And um, I was 31, 10 years ago, and went down in the news for a uh, for a sex scandal that went out in the news uh, nationally, even globally. Before it went out in the news, I had sent a um, full disclosure letter to 7,500 people who were supporting PEP at the time, telling them about my bad decisions. And I was so ashamed that I wanted to take my life. I... And then after the news hit and I saw what people were calling me and saying about me, I just, I was so disgusted with myself. Um, I couldn't believe that I had taken short-sighted, selfish actions that, you know, not only sabotaged myself, but actually put at risk the good work that I had given my life to. Some people are just and, um, lying in wait for you to make a mistake. You know. There, there are, yeah, there are always people waiting for us to make a mistake so they can take us down. But I will say, like, I I did that. Yes. And I, I made a bad decision. And I, you know, what I hate about that was that I was, I was so needy and weak and hurting so badly that I put my own needs above above the needs to serve and to be a leader and to make decisions that would protect my organization. Yep. I've regretted that to this day. I've learned from it. And what saved my life during that time was after I sent that letter, like a thousand people wrote back, we love you. You've always preached grace and second chances. What are you doing next? And I was like, I don't know. I've never had a plan B. I went through a very tough year of really deep depression. I went through major therapy. I got back on my feet. I got an offer to go back in finance, but I felt like a sellout because although I had screwed up, I know what my calling is on yeah. earth. And so I, um, that's when I launched that's very clear to eight me. years ago. Yeah. So I, I, and you know what? I was like, when I launched Defy, I've never been, I've never been a very unconfident or insecure person, but when I launched Defy, I definitely was because I was on the heels of a scandal and I was like, here we go again. Um, this is my 2.0, my second chance to give second chances. And I was amazed, you know, I owned my mistakes and people loved me back to life and helped me to get back on my feet. And I raised a lot of money and I hired an amazing uh, team and we built programs and I got Harvard and Stanford Business School behind us and these professors actually taught courses for us. And I, I mean, we were able to scale. And you know what? After what I did in Texas, I thought that no warden would ever allow me back into their facility again with my, you know, rap, quote, rap sheet. Yeah. And I was dead wrong. And um, Defy is in five different states now, serving in uh, Connecticut and New York and Nebraska and Colorado and California. And like in California alone, we rolled out in 13 different prisons serving men, women, and even in, with juveniles, incarcerated juveniles. And it went, Defy has achieved incredible success and PEP and Defy are still alive and well. So if you're a volunteer and you're listening, you can go volunteer with them. And um, in, in Texas or in the states that Defy is in, because we need people to volunteer. Um, and then um, I, and this has been the most difficult year of my life. Um, in January of this year, a disgruntled employee invented a whole bunch of very uh, salacious allegations yeah, they about sound kind Defy of crazy. and about me. He went on a campaign to eliminate Defy, and um, and he got his allegations printed in a uh, tabloid style 
publication, okay. and after that came out, I resigned from Defy, not because of truth of his allegations, but because I wanted to spare Defy from the scandal. And because God, of what I did do 10 years ago, I've had a target on my back. Hmm. And um, I, I felt like I lost a child. You know, like I, I, I love Defy with my everything. And um, so, you know what? My reputation sucks. And now would be a good time for me to walk away from this sector and say, I've made my difference on this earth. But instead of spending time trying to defend myself what this has done for me is it gives me so much empathy for the people that i serve who i serve a lot of guys who got locked up at 15 or 16 some of them for something they didn't even do and they're doing life in prison so you know what what happened to me sucks but it doesn't suck nearly as bad as their situation i will never ever turn my back on my people and my people are other fellow screw-ups and does it make so you, I am uh, does it make what? you scared to death about you know being a boss and having these people working under you under you and being able to trust them yeah to- you know what I am people say that I'm fearless and that's totally not true I might sound that way I have fear all the time I like cry like a girl all the time so does lad. So does Dave. I'm terrified and I just started hustle 2.0 and you know what someone else's the haters are gonna keep hating and the quote that drives me during this time is, I will do nothing because of public opinion, but everything because of conscience. Yeah. And so, if I let what other people think about me rule my life, then I would not be doing this again. I would crawl into a hole and disappear. But I would be a coward if I did that. So, you know what? Some people are going to hate and say all kinds of nasty things about me, and that's for them to deal with. So and if anybody... One thing that I've heard is... The best revenge is a life well lived. There you go. So, so if anybody, so I've forgiven my attacker, and I'm moving forward. And Hustle 2.0. If you're listening to this from anywhere in the country, the curriculum I'm developing right now will be available to anyone who is incarcerated or formerly incarcerated anywhere in this country. That's I'm really, really cool. excited about it. Okay, and what's I am, the what's the, how are people going to hook up or find out about that? I know it's not quite available yet, but. Yeah, yeah. So I just launched it a month and a half ago. So check back probably within a month. My site will be up and it'll be hustle20.com. So it's H-U-S-T-L-E dot hustle, the number two zero, hustle20.com. Standing for 2.0. And um, if, if you're the family member of someone who's incarcerated, you'll be able to get the curriculum. You'll be able to send it to them. I love it. Um, so stay tuned. The curriculum won't be ready for... A while, but you can sign up on our mailing list starting in maybe a couple of weeks, maybe a month. I'll be promoting and then I'm gonna, that. I'm, I'm going to develop more than 500 courses over time. Actually, it. they're going to be built in prison at Pelican Bay. That's really, really amazing. I, I think that it's going to be very successful. I believe in what you're doing. Um, I'm going to be watching. And, um, boy, I, I don't know what to say except for, you know, you are... You're doing amazing stuff, and and what really is cool about it is that you own your past, and you also have had to deal with stuff that's really not something that's your fault. Um, you're, but you're not going. Oh my God, you're not spending all your time looking at that and just saying those assholes, those assholes. Now you got to move on to the solution, right? Um, that's what you. We learned. we all have a choice when we're when we're wronged. We can try to get revenge and that takes a lot of energy and instead of trying to get even i would rather 
continue serving and living a life of love and service. And that's an active choice. And I'm naturally a fighter, so it's not totally in my nature. But Dave, having you believe in me and you giving me this opportunity to share with your folks, it means a lot to me. So thank you for your friendship. and. Well, we, I, I hope we can stay in a lot better touch than we did before. Um, I, in better. fact, I'm sure we will. Uh, so anyway, Catherine, uh, Kat, I think it's been Either. absolutely a, a pleasure work. to have you on here. What do you think, Lad? Well, you know, Kat, um, I would like to uh, just have an open invitation, you know, come back anytime you want. We'd love to talk to you. Yeah. you know, the, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your athletic accomplishments and stuff like that. So maybe we can do that another time, too. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Wait. Well, maybe maybe we could uh, maybe we could do a podcast from prison live. Oh, from, that would be cool. You uh, know, from Pelican Bay. Huh? I want to get. Yeah. I, I'm hoping we can be a lot more, you know, uh, versatile like that, and over time, and that that would be amazing for you to. Yeah, if we could pull that off, huh, Alan? Um, I'm sure we could. So we, we we could probably make that happen, and and then in that episode, I can tell you all about how I was the first girl wrestler on the boys wrestling team and I did played rugby and did Brazilian jiu-jitsu there's just a little hint I'd love to see you get Dave in a headlock yeah well uh, she probably that wouldn't could. be a problem she probably could <laughs> uh, and that's okay, but you couldn't, so that's what all of it is. Oh, really? <laughs> no, he couldn't. All right, but we'll see. No, we'll lad, see. I'm saying Lad couldn't. You probably could, but lad, I know Lad couldn't. So. Yeah, because they got a bad he's wrist. Been, he's been trying forever to you know, pick on me, but it, it doesn't work. <laughs> Anyway, we got to wrap this up. I am so. Uh, All right. I, I, I want to thank you, uh, Kat, for Thanks coming for having on here me. and letting loose. You guys rock. Yeah. Okay. Have a great day. You Do too. something kind. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Thank you. All right. Our guest next week is Jacob Hill. Oh, okay. Jacob Hill, founder of off ploy and lazy camper okay i'm i was confused off ploy manages the entire ex-offender employment process from start to finish so we have another is he an ex-felon himself i don't know sounds great what what lazy camper does well you'll have to tune in and find out lad that's right and coming up after the break is a latino founder hour oh, we love with your host edgar novice and claudia hey Cardenas. edgar what's up buddy and you know their podcast is usually in spanish so que pasa con mis hermanos y hermanos you're listening to the startup radio network listen learn launch 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.